Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right, you guys, welcome to episode sixty-seven of Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great show in store for you guys. Danny is back. <laughs> I am back talking about myself in the third person. And we have great guests today. We have the Mendo Dope Boys, Bleezy and Old E, uh, Mendocino growers and hip-hop artists as our guests. We have a great segment on brewing your own compost tea, uh, Strain of the Fortnight, Grow Q&A, and much, much more. All brought to you by... Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Rocket Seeds. So stick around. Episode 67, coming at ya. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. Here we are, episode 67. Thank you, as always, to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. And I should mention, I am back. Uh, are you gone? Out. What happened? <laughs> I didn't notice. The truth is, I, you know, I was recovering from COVID. I, had, uh, I caught a case of COVID. Um, luckily, was vaccinated. I do think that that helped me personally. I, you know, each person has their own decisions to make on that. But it did keep me out of the hospital uh so it was somewhat of a milder case than i would normally have imagined but uh yeah um still pretty rough you know testing positive and and then going through the the, uh, quarantining with the family and all of that so luckily um wife and son did not catch it and uh now it's gone and i made it through lost the taste and smell for a while which is freaky especially for someone who kind of relies on that for you know cannabis consumption and judging and enjoyment um so i was really happy to get that back as well it's probably a, around 80 percent back now uh but but you know returning so that's good and yeah just uh you know just happy to be be back and doing the show and uh we did a couple of best of episodes we had uh best of strains of the fortnight and then what do we do before that mike we did the best of Grow Q and A, listener right. grow questions. Yeah. Right, yeah. So thank you to you, Mike, for holding it down and putting those together uh, for people, so we didn't miss uh, miss the boat on our weekly episodes. And here we are, episode sixty-seven. Yeah. So I uh, almost uh, jumped in there with the with the intro, but but I restrained myself. And it's good to have you back there, Danko. So glad to hear that you've recovered and getting that uh, smell and taste back. I'm sure, that's good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I mean. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, and uh, I know there's been some some news, and we've gotten a, a bunch of correspondence from uh, from people. So, 
uh, I know even our sports on drugs segment is still uh, is still resonating with people. Yeah, man. Listeners might remember a couple of weeks back, uh, we did a little sports on drugs, and Dan um, went on some kind of uh, rant about steroids and baseball and all of that. And, and the listener has uh, taken it upon himself to respond to that, which we always really appreciate. So um, I guess maybe we should just read that. Yeah, I mean, you call it a rant. I call it a hot take. That's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what does our reader say here? Or our listener, sorry. This one comes from Alan, and he writes, uh, Hey, so I don't have a question but a comment. I just listened to the episode where Mr. Danko was talking about uh, not caring if baseball players use steroids. I, too, don't care if athletes use steroids, as long as it's not boxers, MMA, or football, where the increased muscle mass results in greater injury to opponents. I thought you might be interested to know that steroids themselves actually do not give humans significant increases in muscle mass. The benefits of steroids come from faster recovery times after working out, allowing you to work out more frequently within a given time period. This is significant because an athlete that takes steroids doesn't actually have it easier than athletes that don't. The steroids only give them capacity to work harder and longer. You still have to work to get results. Baseball was always boring to me, except for that one year when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire got juiced to the gills and started smashing home runs. Nobody got hurt because of their steroid use, and nobody had an unfair advantage because they were both doing it. The only side effect was actually more Americans watching baseball again. Well, that and the other ball issue that steroid users have. (laughs) Uh, But you gotta pay to play. So thanks for the great show. Um, I have no use for the information anymore, but Danny has that butter voice that keeps me coming back for more. Well, what am I, chopped liver? (laughs) Thanks, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. That was Alan's take. Alan's take is, is similar to mine, although, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying if it's boxers, MMA, or football, uh, that then the opponents are, uh, you know, could be harmed by the greater muscle mass. And that does, you know, that does make sense uh, in a way. Uh, but yeah, with something like baseball, you know, I don't know. I, again, you, you're saying that, you know, nobody had an unfair advantage because they were both doing it. But you know, then there's the, the unfair advantages to anyone who wasn't doing it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, again, I just don't think we need to be policing grown people's uh, bodies for what they're doing, especially when they're just entertainers. I mean, it's one thing if they're driving a bus or a plane or something, but these guys are just, they just get paid to play a game for our amusement and enjoyment, and it's just crazy that we uh, <laughs> we make them do things that have nothing to do with that, like pee tests and meeting with the press and doing all the extra things that they have to sort of contractually agree to when really all they want to do is just hit a ball or catch a catch a ball or you know turn a double play yeah but i mean what if it's like basketball but it's like two guys in an overcoat where one of the guys is on the other dude's shoulders making him way taller that would be an unfair advantage that would be entertaining though I, that would be entertaining <laughs> And they'd probably move pretty slow. You're right. (laughs) There's nuances. There's complicated, you know, scenarios here we could come up with. But the truth is just, you know, let them play and and let's not be so crazy about uh, what people put into their bodies. Fair enough. Well, um, thank you, Alan, 
for sharing your thoughts with us about that and our sports on drugs segment we'll probably be doing more of those especially as the football season draws near and i get uh, more and more excited about that um so we obviously we have a great uh, interview and an excellent cultivation segment coming up in this episode but before we get to that uh, we got to talk about new jersey real quick what the hell is going on in new jersey uh first of all i mean the Jersey set a, a deadline of uh, 180 days from when they passed their cannabis bill into law uh, for towns, individual towns, to opt out of the new legal pot industry. That deadline is August 21st, so that is that's very very soon. And um, so basically, towns have until that date to decide to opt out. If they don't opt out by August 21st, then they have to accept the cannabis industry for a period of five years before they can uh, opt out again. So what, what's really strange about what's happening in New Jersey is there was widespread enthusiastic support for cannabis. Uh, it was on election day where something like 67% of voters, something like that, approved cannabis at the ballot. Uh, polls showed that uh, there was a huge, huge amount of support uh, for legal pot both before and after the election. So it, it appeared as if the residents of New Jersey were all in on legal weed. But at this point, half of the towns in New Jersey, 240 towns, have decided to opt out of the legal pot industry. Wow. That is very surprising and, and ridiculous. And <laughs> crazy. It's crazy, right? What a shit show. Uh, that's awful. And, and, I mean, just... Those towns, I, I don't know. I, what are they thinking? I mean, there's, they're just going to lose revenue to the next town over that didn't opt out. And I just I can't imagine that they think that that's going to be better for them in any way or better for kids or better for anything. And it's just loss of revenue. It seems weird and just making people drive further distances to pick up what they want to get. And, you know, there'll probably be delivery in, at that point as well. And I don't know how it affects that, but... You know, can you opt out of having a delivery to your town? It's no, it's all um, very crazy. And they can't stop delivery or possession. That's still legal. It's basically they they won't allow retail sales, cultivation sites, manufacturing sites, that sort of thing. They're it's, just going to lose money. They're, they're just going to lose money not to make the money that from a perfectly legal <laughs> product in their state. That's exactly right. Like that town where uh, they make that what's the Jack Daniel's whiskey, right in Tennessee? <laughs> right. That you, you, you there's a they make the whiskey there, but but the town itself is is dry. Right. The idea of like these dry towns is insane. Anyway, I mean. Just the, <laughs> you can drive to the next town or county and buy booze, or, you know. I it's so archaic and crazy, and I, I I can't even understand any of the motivation for it. I don't know who they're trying to protect or why or. Well, uh, if you ask the politicians, it's mostly the children that they're worried about. But what's particularly galling about this is that uh, jurisdictions don't need the voters approval to ban pot businesses city councils and committees can uh, vote amongst themselves to decide if a town is going to ban pot so you have all of these voters who supported a legal cannabis industry on election day but their elected officials in their town can just decide whether or not their town will have the legal pot industry so it's it's crazy kind of insane yeah. I, I have just one thing to say to them. I mean, obviously, they're probably not listening to the show, but uh, it's it's not hard for kids to get pot in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> now, 
It's not hard. I've been to New Jersey. It's it, pe- people. You've sold any, to kids there. <laughs> not sold to kids, <laughs> but I've been there. And 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 my point being, uh, kids can find pot in in New Jersey, no problem. In any one of those towns that are opting out, but if those towns have legal dispensaries, kids cannot go into those dispensaries and buy pot. So it's actually in the best interests of them if they want to keep pot away from kids to have legal pot businesses rather than underground uh, dealers that are just going to sell to whoever. So uh, it's counterintuitive and counterproductive to their ultimate goals or aims. And I think what they're really trying to do is just maintain the status quo and keep these restrictions going so that they can keep throwing people in jail and keep arresting people and, and making our lives miserable. So they do it's crazy. seem to enjoy that. Um, aside from the children, the other big thing that these towns, again, 240 towns, half of the towns in the state, um, the officials from these towns are also saying that they don't want to opt in or accept a legal cannabis industry because they're not sure yet what the regulations governing that industry are going to be. And the reason for that is because New Jersey, in its infinite wisdom, has decided to uh, release the regulations for the industry on August 21st, which is also the deadline (laughs) for opting out. So you have to decide whether or not uh, you're going to opt out by August 21st, and that also is the day where they'll reveal what the regulations for the legal cannabis industry are. Makes a lot of sense, right? (laughs) Wow. Huh. New Jersey. We got one more thing while we're on the topic of New Jersey, and I just I love this, so I just had to put it in real quick. Uh, New Jersey voters, uh, we talked about their buyers, uh, well, I guess the politicians' buyers' remorse about uh, cannabis, but some residents are battling a rogue odor in Reddington, New Jersey. Um, this was actually a story in the news. Uh, it's about a town that's being terrorized by the smell of pot. There's a building that's being used as a cultivation site for medical and adult use cannabis, which coincidentally had been a Walmart and then that closed down and they started this this processing facility there and it's apparently emitting an odor that has these uh, residents whipped into a frenzy and I just want you to listen to what this one uh, local man had to say about it I came out to feed the cat my knees my legs start shaking I went down on the ground I just my head was hurting my eyes your eyes go first I went down on the ground and finally I could get up so that was that was resident Lyle Armstrong uh, discussing his harrowing grappling match with odor. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about an exaggerated. Uh, <laughs> so fortunately take. for the good people of Reddington, the cultivation company has agreed to install quote huge filtration units that use charcoal and their mayor there says the town plans to make the parking lot smaller for some reason and also add more trees to defeat the terrifying odor. <laughs> That's interesting because, you know, the jokes about New Jersey <laughs> and odor go back to my youth, you know, where they used to say, New Jersey's where a fart is refreshing, <laughs> you know, from all the toxic chemicals and everything that were being uh, produced. So it's funny that uh, the smell of a, of a flower could be so overpowering and overwhelming as to bring a man to his knees. You nearly killed that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, it's the eyes first. He just wanted to feed the cat, man. <laughs> you know, obviously, it's people that are just have nothing better to complain about and <laughs> want to complain about uh, cannabis odor in New Jersey. So, 
Well, that's our that's our New Jersey update. But we have a lot of, we have a lot of great stuff to get to in this show, including a really really excellent interview. Yes, indeed, we have the Mendo Dope Boys. These guys are uh, incredible growers, incredible uh, musical artists, and uh, really holding up the tradition uh, of the Emerald Triangle of California, Mendocino, Humboldt, and Trinity. And uh, these are the type of people you want to support in this industry. Uh, as things keep continuing to get more corporate, it's the family farmers and the mom and pops and the people doing it right um, that deserve our support and our respect. So uh, without further ado, why don't we take a break and come back and talk to Oldie and Bleezy, the Mendo Dope Boys. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. So check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweet Leaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. All Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, we are back and we have a special guests for you guys today. We are talking to Oli and Bleezy, the Mendo Dope boys uh, from Mendo Dope Farms. Welcome, gentlemen. What's up, what up Danny? <laughs> We've crossed paths many times at different events and things. And, uh, you know, I follow you, your, all your social media and the music stuff as well. And, you, you know, a lot of musicians smoke cannabis but uh not a lot of them grow it and certainly <laughs> not the way that you guys do uh tell me a little bit about like uh you guys are brothers right yep yeah and so and you guys are in mendocino county yes yes sir so take take me back uh to your youth and kind of how you got introduced to cannabis and and how you guys got involved with it and, and to begin with for sure well i mean i guess you know originally how we got into it was uh kind of working with other farmers, we, we kind of started in the game doing some trimming. So we would go to a couple different farms and start actually getting to see plants for the first time and, and some big plants really too. We were lucky to be around some really great growers when we first got into it. And uh, you know, all of us, other friends and stuff, we, we love smoking. So as we were trimming, you know, we'd be getting all these different flavors and it definitely sparked a big interest for us to want to start growing our own also and like getting into you know, cultivating and starting seeds and all these clones and these special things that were happening. So over the time of going from trimming to, you know, I think our first, we planted maybe our first seed at around like 2006, 2005 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right out of high school we were, yeah, right out of high school we where they had a couple clubs that opened up, I think like 2003, there was a club here in, uh, in Ukiah, one or two clubs that opened and, um, we had a friend that had a cannabis card when he was like 17. His mom helped him get his cannabis card. 
So we would go to the club and every once in a while we find a seed and we'd put seeds in our uh, mom's like pot that was under her like deck. And at one time, one of them popped up and it was like our first plant. We're like, oh man, it's on. And it kind of was small. We pushed some of the weeds away. It started getting more sun. It started to turn into a little plant. And somehow we talked our mom into letting us keep it just to see what it would do and stuff. <laughs> and that was our first like experience with our wow. own. That's awesome. So uh, it's funny because people are always asking me about like, you know, how do I get into the business? And, you know, I tell them start with something like trimming, you know, get in and just learn about the plant and, 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 and you'll be able to take that knowledge and, and, and roll with it. And you guys have, uh, you know, if people need to check out uh, your Instagram and see some of the, the, the trees uh, that you guys grow. Cause uh, from that one, you know, initial uh, seed, uh, bag seed plant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> under mom's porch, uh, you guys are now growing plants that, I mean, I, I literally, they look like they're 20 feet tall, uh, massive trees, big, huge bushes. Uh, how, did, how did that all come about? Like, how did you guys uh, get to where you're at now as far as, you know, these, these huge plants? Um, you know, it's like the, the guy we first started trimming for, which was right out of high school too. Daniel was only, I think maybe I was still in high school. Yeah. 16 or something. Cause he got kicked out of the first spot where we were working at. Cause the guy, after like a couple <laughs> days, the owner was like, this guy's too young to be here. He can't work here no more. Even though I was a great trimmer. <laughs> yeah. He hated to kick him out, but he felt weird about having him there. And he was so short oldie. He, he didn't grow like tall for a while like i think he was just smoking early at an early age he's he was like all the homies were like damn how how old is this dude he's so short he's only like five foot tall for the longest time <laughs> and i all of a sudden like he just spurted up and got to his regular height he was supposed to be but he was like stunted for a while so he looked real young too and um and then that spot where we first kind of got tied in trimming that guy was growing trees that already like the first kind of plants we ever seen almost were trees it was impressive he was in a potter valley which is like crazy climate out here in mendocino county for growing trees and and uh and the guy that we were working for i think it was maybe uh his son is who uh is who we started started like really working on a yearly basis like we started working at that one farm he got kicked out but then the dude's son said, I'm not tripping on you being young, so come over to my house and you guys can trim over here. <laughs> so then we ended up trimming for him for quite a few years. And um, and we were just so, like, we'd trim in the garden, like, like right like underneath the little garage canopy thingy and just be, like, in the garden trimming for a long time. And just, like, being around the plants when they're in full bloom and walking around on our breaks smelling things and already just from trimming, getting into the flowers, it was super interesting. And we just... We were very curious, so we just asked lots of questions and always just just like was trying to figure out how the hell he was doing this. It was almost like a right away there was like a standard that we're like, if we're going to grow, like the plants should be that big too, right? Like this guy's growing <laughs> these trees. Like we can't just grow little tiny plants. <laughs> so I think just yeah. over the time of just kind of like gradually, you know, after the first seed that we grew in our mom's backyard to moving out to getting our own grow that we started to build up and really experimenting and going through the trials and errors of like learning how to grow big plants and just really making them as as vigorous and happy as as we could and you know we're definitely lucky to be where we are like right here in the heart of the emerald triangle we're we're blessed with a perfect climate perfect whole spot to to cultivate these big trees we have a long season we have great weather so i think 
another thing it just came down to finding cool genetics that we are getting able to work with like like teaming up with a sub cool after many years of growing his strains before we even met him like we had a buddy that was growing jack the ripper and agent orange and jelly bean and i think even yeah, the void the and void a couple other like the very first couple packs that we ever seen from so but it was so old school after like all the years working with him it's like damn those were got to be some of the first packs that he did i don't know for sure but they were it only had five strains on the pack like you see five pictures of five different kinds and those was like the original ones and he was even following our friend he was following sub on the forums before youtube was even i don't know if youtube was even around at that time or Sub wasn't on YouTube for sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, your guys' YouTube is pretty amazing. Uh, you have over 25 million views on there. Uh, and you teach people uh, something that I find really important, which is uh, no-till farming and natural uh, growing. And I think it's really important. And I think, you know, if you're going to grow year after year, you need to figure out a way to do that naturally and i think you guys have really dialed that in and not just on youtube but you also have uh dvds um that people can download uh where people can learn yep. your methods and how you do it so uh talk a little bit about no-till and, and and what that means to you guys and living soil and, and all of that because that's so important yeah definitely yeah like uh just to start things off like uh our our homie minnesota nice he's the one who actually got us into the whole no-till style like uh I, I forgot what year it was exactly we went out to minnesota for a concert and he was a, a a big fan of ours so we went actually stayed at his house and he had a little indoor room where he was doing no-till style indoors and when we're at the at the beginning we didn't know nothing about it and like we had a, a whole different style from the whole time we started that not too many people were, we didn't know anyone that was doing it like that so as we got to go into his indoor room, we got to go smoke the flowers that he was harvesting. And it was like, man, his, his weed was so clean. It tastes so good and smooth. And like, we're all about nature because we've been out in the mountains like our whole life, going out to Montgomery Woods, seeing the big trees, like being, being more in tune with the earth and nature and things. So as we were looking at his pots, we're like, man, there's all these worms moving around. It just looks like such a perfect, happy home that's so natural and clean, like it just really it it inspired us to want to kind of start branching into that and the way he talked about it was like man if you guys could start doing this outside where you guys are you you don't even know that like you could see huge the benefits of it and just to be able to constantly you know work with that same soil year after year where a lot of people will start fresh every year and get new soil new all you know all this new stuff when doing no-till style you're really you're feeding the soil, you're building up this whole life that's going to continually get better and better and cleaner and just it's a regenerative uh, style of farming where you're you're just using the same thing, you're adding uh, amendments to it, you're adding your worms, cover crops and these type of things where it was really cool for us and we got we got into it instantly. So we yeah. got, it was such like it made it was like common sense when we saw it we're like whoa, like a light bulb went off like why are we buying new soil like why are we flipping our pots over and trying to get the bottom of the soil turned to the top of this you know it's like it just made so much sense to, for the amount of work that we were doing of getting new soil or like turning the bags over every year and then like there were several spots we couldn't really grow in the ground that we thought that was kind of too hard of ground which we've kind of realized now 
the ground can be really hard and you can have really good plants. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was such a common sense thing. It clicked to us so fast. And that first year we instantly tried it, uh, a couple of the techniques and we were hooked right there. And then now it's like so funny when we talk to people and they're flipping their pots or they're buying new potting soil and it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, we haven't done that in years. <laughs> it's just, they're like, you're on the same bat is the same bag and the same soil. Like, yeah, it's, it's like six or seven years now we've had these smart pots in the backyard that we haven't ever done anything to just add more to it. Right. Just, just organic material on top and, and let that work its way in. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, and one of the interesting things you note is that it actually saves you time and money and energy in the long run uh, to, to do that. A lot of people think it's extra work. Um, yeah, for sure. E- even us, I think at the beginning, we looked at like, this is kind of like the next level of like experience growing where you got to like get way more in detail and like on in tune with what's happening. But I think it's just like part of, it was just an, at the beginning, it was just like an overwhelming new thing where as soon as we started getting into it and, and, t- and actually taking notes and learning about it, it was like, oh, this isn't too hard at all. It's just a, a different style of growing. And you can easily start getting into the groove of it where it is really, it's pretty basic no-till farming. You don't, it's all about not disturbing the soil. You know, you're letting, you're letting your worms, you're letting your cover crops aerate things. You're letting that do that work for you. That whole breakdown of the microorganisms, the, the bacteria, the, I mean, the fungal presence and everything that's in there, that's doing your work for you. You're letting, you're teaming up with nature now where you're letting nature do, you know, a lot of work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you guys also have uh, genetics that you, you, uh, have created yourself, right? Like uh, over the years. Yeah, yeah. We have a uh, we have a few now in the in the lineup, and uh, you know, back to you know working with Subcool. You know, he's the one who who got us into our first you know, our breeding project. You know, we we looked up to Sub a lot as as a one of the best breeders in the game. You know, of all the stuff that we had got to grow from him over the previous years, and seeing how he worked, seeing the seeing all the stuff that was out there, not only just from us, but there was people growing fire TGA genetics all around the world. So to like be able to firsthand sit there with Sub and, and learn from him and, and him really teaching us and, and gradually pushing us into the breeding game because for a long time, you know, we it crossed our mind about breeding, but we were doing so much things with music and, and we just liked to grow and, you know, playing around with extractions with different people we were working with. It was like... We just weren't quite ready to get into it yet. But he pushed us there, and, and we got our first strain created. It's Mendo Dope with Subcool. We actually created it at his house, and it was just a huge eye-opening experience. We're so grateful that we were able to start our breeding career like laced by one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, rest in peace to, to Sub. He was He was a great friend, and... Uh, a mentor as well uh, to me, and uh, we've recently also lost uh, uh, Frenchie Cannoli and uh, our, our friend Eddie Lepp. Uh, it's been a really rough uh, time this last few, you know, months yeah. and, and year and everything. And I know you guys were were, were great friends of, of theirs as well. One of the things that Frenchie talked about a lot uh, was Appalachians, and and because it, being from France and knowing you know, how it works over there with wine and, and champagne and cheeses and stuff. And I think it's really important. You mentioned like the unique climate 
of Mendo and where you guys are. Now, you know, as these large, you know, corporations are taking over and and buying out farms and and really kind of uh, taking out the the, the mom and pops and the small farmers that actually create the craft quality, uh, do you think that appellations for uh, the the Emerald Triangle is, is a way to help the family farmers survive? Yeah, for sure. Like <clears throat> Frenchie had he had made such a good point with that and it and it's like the wine people have been doing this for so long with grapes and because they stay in the ground too is like kind of a different level to it. But um it's it's huge because like we've always known the Emerald Triangle special just from before we even grew ourselves, just hearing people talk about her when documentaries started coming out and then once we started kind of like getting as big as we were where we could talk to people all around the world and see different people talk about Mendo on their point of view and stuff or like talk about their area where it's really hard to grow good plants and the struggles that everyone has. And um, it's it's opened our eyes on how special the whole Emerald Triangle is. And then the way Frenchie would talk about it was just made so much sense too to where coming in the future to be able to brand that it's grown in Emerald Triangle, that it's grown in the soil of Mendocino or Humboldt or Trinity, or just kind of a lot of these pockets are like extra special, but even just California as a whole, like, and now that, that the companies are taking over, they would love to say that theirs was grown in the soil of Mendocino or whatever. And to kind of have that like super uh, formalized to where you have to prove it and no one can just fake it and put it on their jars or something, I think is going to be huge for the long run of cannabis for like sales out of state and out of country as the things start to open up like that, because there is something real special about it. And, uh, and then, then people can kind of understand flavors they like too. Once you really get real, uh, connoisseur level, then you could tell that there's something different about the same strain grown in different areas and you could start to kind of pinpoint what area you like your flavors to come from absolutely um you guys also have a partnership uh collabo uh with green shock farms and uh the green dope uh project can you tell me a little bit about that yeah the um the green shock farms he's uh before it went legal in 2018 we were both selling to organic here in uh it was in santa rosa and they have an oakland shop too and it was one, like pretty much one of the biggest clubs we've ever we saw it back in the day. They had a huge warehouse. They were selling g- genetics. They had seeds, clones. They had grow like uh, equipment, like all the huts, the lights, the about like everything. They had nutrients in there. It was like holy crap! This club is crazy. And I think it was actually Sub that got us tied in with Organic Can too, because when he moved to California, he he made it a mission to get into that club. He had all his weed nerd friends tell. You want to tell them, like, you got to get subs weed. Like, we want to buy some sub weed. So he got that thing going pretty fast once he moved here from Oregon. And uh, so once we got tied in with them, we realized that there was another guy that was selling outdoor to the club that was really good, and it was Green Shock Farms Outdoor. And we're like, man, this stuff is, uh, like, we always thought our stuff was the best. And we're like, this is, like, at the same level as ours. Or, like, it's got to be that second best or like the even with our outdoor like the when it's grown perfect it's like man he's on point what is this stuff what is he doing and then um then out a couple of different cups and a couple of organic cans uh meet and greet things so we ended up meeting him 
and uh, meeting Jeannie, which was a partner of his already. She's got one of the farms where we work at. So like after it went legal in 2018, we couldn't get a permit at our house. We thought for sure, we're like, oh, we got a, a good spot. We can get a permit, no problem. And then it ended up being to where we weren't in the right zoning, where we are in too much of a residential area. And then shortly after that, um, Mark reached out to us to see if we wanted to grow with him. And it was like a super cool uh venture that he just kind of brought to the table and we're like yeah we'd be way down and we kind of worked out some details of what we were going to do and and it's kind of been fast since then now three years into it it's everything that he does was so on point to what we do but he even took it one step further and all his stuff was in the ground he wasn't even using smart pots he realized over a long time ago of his growing career that he could grow in the ground really easily in a lot of different places and he really liked in the ground style and the taste that would come from that so like everything kind of melted into into the green dope thing which is green chocolate dope we just called it green dope for fun and it kind of it stuck right away in the beginning we're like should we do another dope thing because you know, so many there's a nice amount of people that trip on the the dope mendo dope or just saying dope in general but uh but mark's always been so cool with everything he's never been like scared to do things or like worried about uh too many people's feelings getting hurt and stuff he's just like he's so cool with it like you know because we we started doing music with like gangster rappers in the bay area and we have like this whole career with like the hood and all kinds of gangster shit so for him to be like cool with that was surprising to us we're like oh wow he's like super down <laughs> like he's not tripping on us like most people do <laughs> Yeah, no, it's interesting. You guys have that success uh, in music with the, you know, the hip hop and uh, recording the albums in the garden as well, which is super chill and cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, cool I love that. I, I got one of your... Uh, um, the flash drive thing? Yeah, the flash drives that yeah. you plug in and, and nice. yeah, it's got the music and uh, really, really rad. And, and uh, you know, success in music, success in cannabis, but you also have, you know, suffered from raids, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about about that situation uh, years ago. For sure, yeah. I mean, the man, things were over the years of getting into the growing. We were we were building up. We got a, a new house where we we did a garden the first year. The next year, we really kind of expanded, and and we as we were learning more, plants started getting bigger and bigger. So we had a twenty five plant garden in the backyard that just it was a serious ocean of weed. It was. Some of the still some of the, a couple of them were some of the biggest plants that we've grown still. Yeah, there was one that was like hard to beat. We've had some big ones that are probably close to it, but that one was so insane. I mean, the stock on it even was probably one of the biggest stocks we've ever had still. Yeah, it was. It was really it. We were killing it. We were on fire that year. Like we had a lot invested into it. We were just full throttle in the garden, and that was really the first time. Like that year was the first year that Subcool actually had came up to to Mendocino to visit us and like the first kind of filming that we started doing in the garden and and kind of showing things and it was such a it was everything was going so cool man and then all of a sudden <laughs> as you know uh, I think it was just a, it ended up being a neighbor someone complained about it that just they it just looked like so much they thought we had like 300 plants <laughs> so they they called the cops on us and it was like about 10 o'clock in the morning. Me and Bleasy were in the kitchen breaking down some weed that we had harvested the, like the week before. A lot was a big section was about to get harvested. We were right at the end. And then a whole squad of Camp and Comet came up to the house and uh, really just like 
where they gave us so much shit. They were so disrespectful to us and like hated that we were growing cannabis. They thought it was just like mind blowing that we thought we could do this and we were thinking that this was medicine and they were just like it was basically just cracking jokes on us and talking shit the whole time like and they said this is way too much for you guys to have under the medical laws like so we're gonna we're gonna take it we're gonna chop it all down and they're like it's basically like uh abalone like if you if you harvest too many abalones out of the ocean or whatever like they they take them all so they instantly they they handcuffed me and bleasy to the wheelbarrow right in the backyard they backed up a wood chipper into the garden and just started chopping everything into this whole little field of blackberry bushes that were down there. And it was just, it was so heartbreaking, you know, because we were fully invested. We were going all the way in. We were having so much fun with it. It was so big. We were so happy about everything. And just to get knocked down, like, it hurt a lot. It put a big dent in what we were doing. It completely stopped us for a bit. But luckily, like... As we had started to get out there with Subcool and on the weed nerd of people finding our music, we had a whole nation of like weed nerds that were starting to like see who we were. And, and we had so much love from people that were sending us flowers, sending us seeds to keep growing and just like really motivating us to keep going. And like we weren't going to stop regardless. We were going to get back up and do it again. But it was definitely a, a super hard time where... You know, it just, everything kind of went to shit on that day. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was, uh, we had, yeah, it was a slow start to get back up, but there, we had a lot of support from friends and then, like, the, all the weed nerds that, it kind of got us back on our feet a lot faster than we would have. Like, if we would have been secretive about the garden and not told people or told Sub never, like, we don't want you to film and don't come over with the camera and whatever, that it, it would have been a, kind of a big difference. It, it kept us... It really made us realize how many people are out there that love weed and that that have the same kind of mode as we have. And because um, before we're so private about everything, we only had the ten, twenty people that knew we grew. And after we started filming, there's a lot of friends out here that thought we were so stupid. And when we were, got raided, they thought it was because of the footage on YouTube. But it really had nothing to do with any of that. And, yeah, and really, and like ultimately, whole... that ended up helping you. Exactly. Yeah, you had you had a community that could step up and 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 help out. Yeah, yep. it was it was very cool to see how strong this weed community was. It was the first time we really witnessed how how big the community is and how much love there is out there. It's like this plant is not a bad thing. This is medicine. Like we're not doing anything wrong here. So we wanted to start instantly. Like, we're going to help everyone grow trees. Like if they're going to get mad at us for growing trees. Fuck it, let's all grow some trees. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll show just you grow guys. six, and they can't because they said six was the limit, twenty five wasn't. So we're like, we'll just do six then. Six and just big film everything, plants. and so that really sparked the whole full throttle into the Mendo Dope vision of filming in the garden, teaching people how to grow, and showing what was going on right there on the forefront. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that you know the dues that that were paid by you guys by all the farmers um eddie included i mean obviously he you know he did almost 10 years yeah uh, yeah and uh yeah you know we gotta remember our our mentors and and friends and and really continue to honor their memory uh by teaching people about this healing flower this amazing plant and i i love the way you guys grow i love um the pride that you guys take in in your flowers 
<clears throat> which we should mention are available in California <laughs> at dispensaries as well. So it's not just, you know, if people are out in Cali and they want to try these for themselves, um, natural, sun-grown, outdoor, amazing, uh, you know, organic flowers, they should uh, check out mendodopefarms.com. And you can contact these guys for consulting as well, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just started that. You know, it's been, we've been getting asked for a long time and we just try to figure out if we wanted to or how it was going to work. And we just kind of put it on the website just recently. And we actually just went to Oklahoma last week and did a, our first consulting thing with the group. And and it went really good. It was super cool to see. And they were super happy the whole time. We're like, we got to come in there correct and make sure we impress them. And we go over everything that could possibly have gone over but it the whole thing was just really smooth and just like whatever questions anyone wants to ask we could do it like a one-on-one -on -one thing and and uh spend like a really focus in on one person and if the first one went really good so i think it's going to be cool to to have this option for people if they want to do it that's awesome well uh let people know uh where they can find you guys i guess website uh instagram youtube yeah, yeah, they could, uh, everyone could find, like, our, our main homepage is uh, mendodopemusic.com, and we also have mendodopefarms.com. We just try to kind of break it up a little bit where you don't get too overwhelmed, because we do a lot of stuff, so they can see <laughs> some of the farm stuff, some of the music stuff. And then we have our YouTube channel, you can find it just mendodope on YouTube, uh, mendodope boys on Instagram, because they've been, we've had numerous issues with Instagram, deleting our page, doing this and that, so... Metal Dope Boys, and then all of our music is streaming like on all the streaming sites from Pandora, Spotify, uh, you know, of course, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, whatever you can think of. You can find Metal Dope Music on there. That's awesome. Well, you guys uh, are, are great musical artists and great cannabis artists, and I really uh, truly appreciate your contributions to uh, cannabis culture and to hip hop and, uh, and just to keeping, keeping alive uh, that, you know, Mendo vibe that, you know, you guys are all about. I really, I think it's great. And I, I, uh, I want to commend you guys for that. And, you know, keeping the names alive of, of, of the people that have passed and, and, and helped us and taught us. For sure. Uh, I just, I just want to say, you know, uh, a big shout out to the legends who, who really paved the way for us to be doing what we're doing today. Like cats, like Subcool, Eddie Lepp, our boy Frenchy Cannoli, like people that were strong, big leaders in the community that have left us now that we definitely will just never forget them. We got to continue on this right path. Just keep on promoting this plant. We got to spread it, overgrow the planet, get it to the world. So we're going to continue representing the cannabis culture. Yeah. And we appreciate you too, Danny. We've been looking up to you for a long time. Long time. To do this right now, it's, it's a true, it's an honor. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Oli and Bleezy, Mendo Dope Boys. Uh, really been a pleasure having you on the show. We'll be back after these messages with more Grow Bud Yourself. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor, Rocket Seeds, has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast-version seeds, 
Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back. Uh, definitely thank you so much to uh, the Mendo Dope Boys, uh, Bleezy and Old E. Uh, like I said, you know, lots of uh, musical artists out there uh, consuming cannabis, but not a lot of them uh, growing double overhead sized uh, <laughs> cannabis plants for, for years and years. And uh, check out their music too. Uh, some amazing tunes. And like I said, recorded in their uh in the garden and so thank you to those guys i love that twist of recording uh, amongst the plants very cool <laughs> yeah and there's video of all that as well it's, it's pretty chill they, they're they're good dudes and uh, very happy to get finally get them on the show but oh wait uh, i believe what is that tune that i'm hearing now <laughs> yeah and yes this is a fortnight and yes this is a fortnight strain of the, the fortnight. fortnight what do you yeah. got for us uh, what do you got for us this week Strain of the Fortnite. Strain of the Fortnite. Strain of the Fortnite. All right, so I guess on that note, it's time for Strain of the Fortnite. What do you got so, well, for us this Fortnite? Well, this Fortnite, it's actually, I guess it's been three weeks. I don't know if there's a name for that. But uh, this particular uh, three-week Fortnite uh, for episode 67, I would like to talk about uh, Lavender Feminized. And uh, the Lavender Strain, this is from SunWest Genetics. Uh, They are also available at Rocket Seeds, which is a sponsor of ours. So uh, definitely check out rocketseeds.com. Uh, and you know, use our code if you plan on buying anything over there. But uh, lavender feminized is uh, a great strain. Definite medicinal properties. Uh, very appreciated. Growers, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a longer uh, flowering time than the typical sort of eight weeks. It's nine to ten weeks or so, uh, but very hardy. You can grow this plant outside, inside. Uh, definitely uh, pretty resistant to uh, a lot of you know the stuff that can can mess with uh some of the weaker weaker plants out there so it's durable it's strong uh has a good resistance to things like wind and mold and and uh temperature fluctuations and things and the branches grow uh fairly vertically not a lot of horizontal uh growth unless you do some pretty extreme pruning uh the smell uh is sort of lavender like it's kind of got that rosemary uh green gardeny kind of mint minty tones to it, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, definitely different from the, the the sweeter side of things and the gassy side of things. It's really kind of more, I guess, the greeny kind of lavender, rosemary, mint side of things. I don't know. I guess it kind of lives in its own little world uh, out there. But lavender is really, uh, it's interesting. Originally, it was a cross of uh, super skunk, uh, Korean big skunk, and Afghan Hawaiian. I think that must have been uh, Soma's original version of this. And so SunWest has basically feminized uh, a version of it. Uh, and, you know, I guess uh, it's really pretty, you know, be- the name Lavender isn't just for 
uh, the scent. It's also for the look of it. You know, it's got that purple. It's not dark purple like you'd see uh, with like a grape ape or, or, or uh, um, you know, those real deep uh, dark purple kind of strains. It's kind of like the, the lavender comes in on the edges of the leaves and works its way in. It's really pretty, uh, but it's not like, you know, uh, one of those real real deep dark purple strains it's it's it, it's called lavender because it's a bit lighter than that uh in color and as far as medical use uh works great on stress and anxiety uh pain people uh with sort of chronic pain uh helps with that um for women with uh, uh menstrual cramps and things like that it's definitely uh i've definitely heard from people that lavender helps them with that uh, and even like uh, headaches migraines and things uh, lavender can help reduce that as well so it does have that um, medicinal quality to it so definitely check out rocketseeds.com uh, uh, you can look up uh, the sunwest uh, genetics section or just search for lavender feminized and it'll pop right up and they have a variety of different uh, amounts of seeds you can purchase from them as well so you know, you can start with a small amount or you can go for uh, a larger pack, uh, depending on how much you're growing and what you're looking for. So, uh, yeah, definitely enjoy some lavender and uh, get out there and start growing. All right. An excellent strain of the fortnight. And uh, now, as our listeners know, each week, Dan likes to uh, take on a grow topic that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So what do you want to discuss this week? I want to talk about compost tea and basically what it is, how to make it, and, and why. Uh, so compost tea, it's not actually technically tea. Um, tea is an infusion where you heat up, you know, or boil something, pour it over herbs. Um, so it's not really technically a tea. It's more, uh, I guess, a fermentation, a brewed liquid. Uh, and what's great about it is it contains... Uh, a tremendous amount of bacteria, beneficial bacteria, fungi, uh, protozoa, nematodes, all these things uh, in an easily absorbed liquid form. Uh, so it's just a really amazing, mild uh, nutrient, very, very little as far as NPK goes, but really amazing uh, as far as protecting the plant and giving it a, a, a general boost. So if you see some yellowing or any kind of issues, compost tea is the way to go and you should basically be using it all, all the time you know i mean it's a great great thing to use it has a tremendous amount of benefits and i'm going to get into uh how to make it best as well because you really want to use aerated compost tea you don't just want to have a uh, steeped tea you want to have it oxygenated as well so uh we'll talk about that uh but so the benefits like i said it does improve the nutrients in the soil uh, it increases the population of mycorrhizal fungi, uh, predatory nematodes, all of which, which basically helps your plant defend itself. So uh, it really is like a force field around your plants. And uh, you can use it, we'll get into that as well, but you can use it as a soil drench, you know, just as you do with your regular nutrient solution, or as a foliar feed and a foliar spray, which is great as well, because like I said, it gets, it really protects your fan leaves and uh, it gives it just gives them a boost. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, if you if you've used it, you get it. Um, compost tea is really amazing, and it can be made in 24 hours, so it doesn't take a long time. Um, you just don't want it to go 48 hours or more, uh, and ends up you know basically 
you get the bad bacteria at that point. Um, so remember, you know, you want it actively aerated, which means basically the things you're going to need um, are going to be your container. A uh, simple five-gallon bucket works great for the home grow. Uh, those you can buy at Home Depot, the orange ones, or, or at any local hardware store. Um, you just want a nice solid five-gallon uh, bucket. Uh, you want non-chlorinated water. Uh, you want you can either use rainwater, which tends to sometimes be a little bit on the acidic side, um, or use your tap water, but let it sit for about 24 hours to get the chlorine out of there as much as possible. Um, and then you're going to need a couple of cups of uh, compost um, and some type of food source for the bacteria or the fungi. So um, worm castings are great. Uh, compost is great. What you need also is something to keep them in. Some people steep it right in the water. Uh, I like to use a uh, like a sack, either burlap or nylon or something. Uh, just to keep all that in one space uh, and then just kind of dunk that in there. And uh, for oxygenation, you need a uh, air pump with air stones that, you know, the pump sits outside of the um, bucket and the, uh, there's a tube that goes down into the air stones that are at the bottom of the bucket that let the air bubbles up into the water. And th what that does is really helps, like I said, to activate all that uh, beneficial bacteria and fungus. So, there's lots of other things you can add. Um, people add molasses. People add uh, different things. Uh, humic acids, uh, as mentioned before, the uh, worm castings. Uh, there's so many different recipes. I'm just trying to give you a nice, uh, basic, simple one. So uh, you got your tap water, enough to fill your five-gallon pail. Uh, you got about two cups or so of fully finished uh, organic compost, basically cured compost. It, it shouldn't still be... Uh, warm and, and, and breaking itself down. It should already be kind of in its fully finished form and shouldn't smell any uh, off smells like ammonia or anything like that. Um, then you can use like a tablespoon of uh, unsulfured blackstrap molasses, uh, maybe a little liquid kelp. That always uh, is great, but a tiny amount. And again, like a tablespoon uh, or liquid fish, a teaspoon or a tablespoon of that. And you basically just uh, use your porous cloth. Uh, nylon, some people don't like because of, you know, it, it's plastic or whatever, you know, it's... Uh, but, you know, you can use burlap or basically anything that you would use to brew uh, a regular tea, you know, a tea bag. But it has to be big enough to hold your two cups or so uh, for the five gallons of water. If you're going to do bigger containers, you're going to need more compost. Um, and again, aerate it. So the air pump and the air stone sits in the bottom. Uh, you let that sit for 24 hours with the air bubbling up in it. And you'll see all kinds of cool, you know, uh, bubbles and, 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 and things forming kind of on the top of it. And, uh, basically once that's done after 24 hours, uh, you're ready to apply it, but you need to dilute it, uh, because it's going to be pretty strong. Uh, you can dilute it to different amounts depending on what you're looking for uh one to four is kind of a basic dilution so like four cups of compost uh, tea to one gallon uh some people do one to ten or so so one cup for a gallon but the the key is you kind of want it to just look like iced tea like kind of watered down iced tea you don't want it to look dark brown uh like you know coffee or anything like that you want it to look pretty light uh, and like I mentioned, you can, uh, you can 
water directly into your soil uh, or use a sprayer uh, to spray this on as a foliar spray. Make sure you get the top of the leaves and the bottom of the leaves. Uh, foliar feeding is super helpful, but do not do that uh, once the plant has started flowering. You can do this uh, pretty much bi-weekly because like I said, it's so mild. It really doesn't, it's hard to burn your plants with compost tea. It's, it's, it's pretty difficult. And if you have a really great uh, microscope or magnification uh, device, you can actually look at the uh, compost tea and see the microbes in there. And you can see uh, nematodes and all the things that you're looking for in that tea. And then once you get into compost tea, you can get way deeper into this and start in, you know, making all kinds of interesting teas with comfrey and uh, there's just so much if you, once you really get into it, there's a, a world of different things you can start doing with uh, with different teas and uh, inoculations and things. And uh, it's a great way to have very healthy plants and you make and make it yourself and uh, it's really beneficial. So get composting and uh, make some compost tea for your plants. All right, sounds good. Do that compost tea thing. So that was our grow tip. And uh, now as always, it is time to answer some questions from our listeners. And if you are a listener who has a question, uh, you could send it to us. Email is best. That is info at growbudyourself.com. But you could also reach us on socials, on Patreon, on YouTube, and all of that. What do you say we dive right in? Let's do it. Okay, so let's start things off with Matthew, who writes, uh, I enjoy your show very much. I have two questions. First... Are Dan's signed books still available? And second, uh, can you talk a bit about the entourage effect? Thanks again. So yeah, what, what do you got from Matthew? Oh, well, thank you so much uh, for asking about the signed books. Uh, they are available. Uh, people can contact me directly uh, if they want to just use like Venmo or PayPal, or you can go on eBay. I sell them on there. You just have to mention that you want them signed uh, at, when you purchase them. There's a area for notes and you can purchase it there and mention in the notes that you want it signed and who you want it signed to. Uh, so those are your options. You can get them at eBay or you can contact me directly. Uh, as far as the entourage effect, what that means is all of the different uh, cannabinoids and terpenoids and flavonoids that make up uh, cannabis work together. So, you know, we don't quite understand all of this yet um, because the science just isn't there and but it, people are working on it obviously but um, you know once THC was discovered by uh, Meshulam in the 60s and then basically all the different cannabinoids were broken down and, and what I mean by that that's like the CBD the CBG the um, THCA THCV all of the and there's hundreds of them uh, and those things all play a role so THC is psychoactive and does get you high but THC on its own is fairly boring. So when in conjunction with uh, myrcene and all these other uh, terpenes and cannabinoids and flavonoids, that becomes the entourage effect. And that's what makes the highs different and interesting. And that's what also makes it medicinal because uh, different combinations of cannabinoids and terpenoids and flavonoids affect different symptoms uh, differently. So, you know, for people with epilepsy, they're going to want uh, their entourage effect to have a more of this terpene or that terpene or this cannabinoid or that one. So uh, the important thing is, you know, because these things are being isolated and people are saying, okay, this is a CBD uh, pill, 
Uh, it's just CBD. So yes, sure, it's effective, but it's far more effective uh, in cooperation with THC and the many other things that I mentioned. And that's really what the entourage effect is. All right. Good stuff. Thank you for writing, Matthew. We hope that helps. Uh, let's move on to Dr. Strain from West Africa. Uh, he writes, Hello, I'm an avid listener and I enjoy your show. I'd like to ask about hemp cultivation and what differences I should be learning as this seems to be a bill under consideration. Thanks for the awesome podcast and all the fun. So yeah, what, what would you say there? Hemp cultivation versus cannabis cultivation? Yeah, that's a great question and uh, amazing to hear from someone in West Africa. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, but yeah, so hemp cultivation is really also about what you're growing the hemp for. Uh, so there's different kind of styles of what you're growing for. So if you're growing for fiber, for instance, you grow the hemp very close together. You want big, tall stalks. You don't care if there's males and females in the field because all you're really after is the fiber from the stalks. Uh, and you just want really tall plants crowded together. Now, if you're growing for hemp flower, uh, whether that's to be extracted for CBD or Delta-8 or whatever else you want to do with that, uh, you certainly want to have only female plants, um, so female hemp plants, and you want to also not have them as nearly as crowded together. You want them separated uh, apart from each other so they're not touching each other, basically, and you want, you know, so what I mean is if you're growing them for fiber, you could have many plants per, even per just a square foot. Uh, you can have four or five plants in, in, in the space of a square foot. But for flower uh, hemp production, you're going to want, uh, you know, a plant could take up five or six square feet on, all on its own, uh, depending on how large you want to grow those plants. And if you're growing for hemp seed, uh, that's yet another thing you can do uh, where you leave the males and the females in the field together, let the males pollinate the females and, uh, and then harvest that. And if you are growing for fiber, uh, you will get seed as well because you've got the males and the females in there together. So um, I would say for fiber and seed, crowd the plants together for hemp flower for extraction purposes or for smoking uh, seedless hemp flower you want to grow that much more similarly to the way we do cannabis uh, with THC. Um, so that's sort of the differences you should be learning. It's really about what you're growing the hemp for. Uh, it's going to determine how to grow the hemp. Uh, and if you're growing for fiber and seed, uh, it's different for, than if you're growing for flour. Uh, so I hope that helps. And uh, yeah, keep, thank you for listening from West Africa. Yeah, it's so it's so great to to hear that. We have a little tracker that tells us where our listeners are and all that. And sometimes I just like to look at the map and and just kind of trip out to how crazy it is that people are listening all over the world. So we thank you all for tuning in, and uh, that's really great. Yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's move on to our friend Gunja Gonzalez, and he writes, "Dear Danny and Mike, this could be a bit of a nerdy question, but bear with me." So I noticed that different strains need different time to start flowering after switching to the 12-12 light cycle. A feminized photoperiod Gorilla Glue almost switched instantly in two days and showed the typical characteristics of the plant. During another grow, Pink Kush needed more than two weeks to adapt to the light cycle. Uh, earlier adaptation means earlier harvest, so here is my question. 
Is the adaptation to the 1212 light cycle influenced by the genotype or by the phenotype? My question aims to know if certain strains adapt faster than other strains, but if it is an individual behavior of a plant, i.e. influenced by the phenotype, it comes down to luck how fast the adaptation will take place. Uh, thank you guys for sweetening my week with your great podcast, and your use of my Fortnite jingle brings tears of joy to me. <laughs> take care, Gunja. So yeah, the people who may not know, Gunja Gonzalez is the gentleman who created that strain of the Fortnite tune that you heard earlier in this episode yes indeed thank you thank you ganja for the tune and for the questions um so that adaptation period once you switch the 1212 is uh determined by the genotype and not really the phenotype i mean certainly certain phenos will adapt a little bit quicker than others but it's really uh based in the genetics uh in the seed of the plant so uh, a plant that is indica dominant will tend to uh, to make that switch much quicker and start forming flowers sooner uh, than a plant that is sativa dominant uh, because it has a longer flowering time. So typically sativas can go, you know, 90 to 100 days or more. Uh, and so they are going to adapt to the photo period change uh, over a longer period of time. It could take a week or even two weeks before you start seeing flowers forming and as you mentioned, when you, you did that with your feminized uh, Gorilla Glue, you, it, it, it only just took a couple of days. So that period from when you switch the light cycle, uh, you know, it really is an important transitionary period uh, for the plant because it's deciding at that point, okay, now it's time to flower. But it can take up to a week, two weeks before you start seeing the flowers um, forming. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a genotypical uh, expression. It's based basically uh, from the genetics of the plant. The DNA inherent in the seed uh, will tell it basically when to start forming flowers after it's triggered into the light, the flowering light cycle of 12 hours on, 12 hours off. So, um, I hope that answers your question. And uh, just know that you know during that period, you want to just keep feeding. Uh, regularly like you did during the uh, the growth cycle uh, until you start seeing those flowers form and then you can start switching to the bloom or uh, flowering uh, nutrients that you're going to use at that point all right awesome thanks uh, gunja we hope that helps and uh, yeah we got we got time for one more here let's uh let's jump over to dabs russ 420 who writes uh, hey guys thanks for the great podcast i'm learning so much so I've been thinking about putting a camera in my tent to watch my plants when I'm not around. My only worry is if the IR lights from the camera's night vision will mess with my plants at night. Thanks for all the great information. So what would you say to Dab's Russ420? Huh, that's an interesting question and uh, might be the first time I've heard it like that. I've definitely heard from people who want to go in uh, to see their plants during the dark time and, and don't want to disturb them. And typically what I tell them is to use a green light, you know, use a green uh, filter over the light. Um, as far as infrared lights uh, and the night vision in the camera, um, what I would do honestly is I would either set the camera to turn off when your, uh, when your lights turn off, uh, or I would cover the infrared light with uh, a green gel or some type of filter uh, that would keep that um, the night vision from messing with the plants and then you would basically just be able to see the plants 
but there'd be a green tint uh, to what you're looking at. Uh, so I would either have the camera turn off uh, at night, and but if you're really uh, hell-bent on seeing what's going on even when the plants are in the dark, uh, then I would cover any light that you're going to have in there during the dark cycle with a green lens, a green gel, something green that uh, the plant will not pick up. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you, DabsRus420. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. Again, the email is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. All right, we're back, and it's the wrap. I do want to mention uh, that we lost a great uh, soldier. We talked about uh, him briefly with Mendo Dope Boys, but uh, Eddie Lepp has passed on, uh, and we'll talk about uh, him a bit more next week in our episode. Uh, but, you know, with the deaths of, of Frenchie and Eddie, um, Subcool, and, and uh, all the people that we've lost in the last... Uh, you know, last few months has just been really heavy and a lot to take in, a lot to process. But uh, I do just want to say rest in peace uh, to our old friend Eddie Lepp, who we traveled all around the world with and had quite a few adventures with <laughs> at uh, a lot of great events and really was a, a, a powerful warrior for the plant. Grew 30,000 plants <laughs> within sight of, uh, of the highway and uh, served time for it uh, eight, more than eight years uh, for growing cannabis, nonviolent offense. Um, so uh, we salute you, Eddie, uh, as a pioneer and as a friend, and also Frenchie as well. You can listen to him uh, on episode 52, I believe, is when we interviewed him back in May here on the show, and he also recently passed. Um, amazing hash expert and friend. So yeah, it's been it's been rough, you know, but uh, you know that's I guess that's what getting older is about as well. And we just have to honor our heroes and and our mentors and everyone that has passed and continue the fight in their honor and uh, remember them in our hearts. And that's where they that's where they live now. And uh, so I want to say that uh, about him. And and again, we'll get into a little more uh, next week. I want to thank our spo sponsors, of course, uh, Excelsior Extracts. Check out their THC-infused pain relief rub uh, on their Instagram page, Sweetleaf Nutrients. Uh, the code there is DANKO15 for 15% off. You can actually get free Sweetleaf Nutrients uh, by signing up to our Patreon page, and you can get codes, uh, individual codes for yourself where you can get 20 and up to 25% off site-wide on their uh, website, which is pretty amazing. Um, so definitely follow them as well on social media at Sweetleaf Nutrients um, and Rocket Seeds. Uh, Rocket underscore seeds is their Instagram. Rocketseeds.com is their website. GBY10 is the code uh, for 10% off. Uh, so definitely support our sponsors. We love them for supporting us. Uh, also, Vapor.com. Don't forget that the uh, Grow Bud Yourself 20 code there gets you 20% off everything site-wide, uh, which includes pretty much every vaporizer you've ever heard of or wanted and all the accessories and rolling papers and CBD products and all kinds of other stuff, uh, rolling trays and things. So check out vapor.com and use that code growbudyourself20 for the 20% off. Um, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to our guests, 
Mendo Dope Boys, Bleezy, and Old E. Be sure to check out their websites and socials. Um, thank you to you, Mike, uh, for holding down the fort while I was uh, recovering, and I'm um, happy to be back. Yeah, so, glad to have uh, you back. Thank you, thank you. And we will both be back next week uh, with episode number 68 for you guys, and uh, appreciate all the support on Patreon and YouTube and Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever the hell else we are. So, um, yeah, keep it on, keep on keeping on, and remember to always grow bud yourself. And uh, I think that's the episode 67. Put it in the books. <laughs>